If you're listening to this podcast, it means you're ready to break free from your restaurant running your life. You're tired of working so hard for so little. It's time you get the restaurant you desire and deserve. To do that, you'll have to learn how to make more while working less in your restaurant. So how do you do that? It starts when you book a complimentary success strategy session with the restaurant coach. That's right, a completely free one-on-one session with Donald Burns, the restaurant coach. This is a $500 value that he is giving to listeners of this podcast. During your session, Donald is going to help you get crystal clear about where your restaurant is now and where you wanna be in the next 90 days. He'll even give you a three-step plan to get started. You just need to take action. Just go to therestaurantcoach.com to book your success strategy session now. Loading in three, two, one. Welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It's the cure for the common restaurant. Expert interviews, tools, and tips to get you the restaurant you know it can be. Now, here is your host, Donald Burns, the Restaurant Coach. Welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It is the cure for the common restaurant. Okay, restaurateurs, buckle up. We're diving into the big question, why aren't you making the profit you should be? We want to know why? I'll tell you why. You are scared shitless of change. You might be saying, but coach, I love change. Oh, you protest. That's a bunch of bullshit. If you truly embrace change, you wouldn't be clinging to the same old tired excuses. You say you want more profit. You say you want more freedom from your restaurant running your life, but when it comes to making a move, you freeze like a deer in the headlights. Fear of change is what is choking the shit out of your business. And here's the kicker. Change isn't bad. The real irony is that change doesn't want to change. It's comfortable. It's easy. It's safe. But guess what? It's also killing your restaurant. Let's smash one of those broken business models right now. When do you take your profit? The old school way? Run through the P&L and whatever scraps are left at the bottom, that's your profit. How about this? How about we flip that script? What if you took your profit first? Yeah, you heard me. It's a revolutionary move that puts you back in the driver's seat. My podcast guest today is Casey Anton. She is the brains behind Profit First for Restaurants. This isn't just an idea. It's a wake-up call and a must-do for 2024. Taking your profit first forces you to get creative with the rest of your budget It is a power play that will change how you see money and how you actually run your restaurant. And hey, speaking of change, let me introduce you to something game-changing. I am launching Warrior Restaurants in January. It's not just another restaurant coaching program. It is a life transformation system. Too many of you are winning in the kitchen while losing in life. Here's the thing. That's not success. That's a damn tragedy. Warrior Restaurants is here to change that. It is designed to help you achieve the have-it-all lifestyle without sacrificing your body, your peace of mind, or your personal life. Conventional? Hell no. But when have I ever played by the rules? Apply now at www.warriorrestaurants.com. It's time to stop being a victim of your own fear and start being the badass restaurateur that you were meant to be. All right, enough pep talk. Let's dive into this mind-blowing chat with Casey Anton and shake up your profit strategy. Get ready for a huge paradigm shift. It's time to put fear in the rearview mirror and profits in the front seat. Let's do this. And welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It is the cure for the common restaurant. I am so honored. This is an exciting guest to have here today. Casey Anton is here. She is the author of 
profit first for restaurants. Casey, this is such an important topic for restaurant owners. What inspired you? And well, first of all, tell people a little bit about you, about your backstory, and a little bit about what kind of inspired you to start your company, Spark, and specifically focus on the restaurant industry. Yes. Hi, Donald. Um, thank you for having me here. And I would love to tell that in as brief as I can, because I could go on and on. But <laughs> here's the deal. So I spent the, over the first half of my life in restaurants. It's, that's all I ever wanted to do, which mm -hmm. is restaurants, right? Um, my parents did not want me to major that in college. They thought that was a grueling, it was a difficult industry to be in. And so um, because they were helping me pay for school, I got a more narrow degree in communications and business um, from the University of Rhode Island. And then, of course, the day that I graduated, I went and got a job at the Chart House restaurant in Newport, Rhode Island. At the time, the Chart House restaurant was a bigger chain. I know there's still a few left. But it was one of the high-end steakhouses. They had locations in all of these uh, kind of resort areas. And um, their management program was renowned at the time. It was called CHAMP for Chart House Administrative Management Program. You mm -hmm. actually had to apply to get into it. It was like a, you know, it was like a big wow. deal. So even though I, you know, here I am with this bachelor's bachelor of arts degree and something else, I'm like, no, I'm still doing restaurants, mom and dad. Sorry. So I, I got this job and you start as a dishwasher. They moved me to Boston. So that's how I ended up in Boston at the Long Wharf Chart House. And you, you know, you work double shifts, six to seven days a week yeah. easily. And you, you prep fish and lettuce and learn how to butcher. And then you come back at night and you, you manage or you, you I mean, you do everything. You shuck oysters. So it was a great experience, but it was just a lot of hours. And, um, and then I learned, you know, and then I discovered Boston and all these small boutique restaurants. I'm like, Oh, give me some of that. So after being at the chart house for a couple, a couple of years, I got a job as a general manager at a small little boutique restaurant in an up and coming, uh, neighborhood in Boston that actually won food and wine best restaurant of the year. When I was there, it was in Bon Appetit and food, uh, um, what else? The Wine Spectator, a bunch of things. So I've had a lot of restaurant experience. Everything was great. Uh, I loved every second of it. But then um, it culminated in my, in my owning a restaurant. So I had a couple of partners and we, okay. yeah, we owned a restaurant in Boston called Bomboa. And we had that for seven years. Um, I ended up selling it in 2006. At the same time that was happening, my business partners were kind of going in different directions. I had just gotten married and just had my first child. So it was like a whole new chapter was opening. We sold the restaurant, thank God, because if it lasted any longer, we would have had to close it. So we sold it, got out of it. And then I thought to myself, now what? Because now I'm home yeah. with an infant and I went from working, you know, 80, 90 hours a week going full steam to being at home every day with an infant thinking there'd be no tr transitional, you know, issue for me, but it was, it was challenging. It was challenging. So I'm at home. I'm like, all right, what do, I can't just stay here because no. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I've only done restaurants. I knew I couldn't go back into the industry the way I was in it and, and have right. an infant. Right. So I'm like, well, what, are, what else could I do? And when I took stock, it was like, oh, I got really good at the numbers. Like I got really, really good. I surrounded myself with bookkeepers and CPAs mm -hmm. over the years of being in the restaurant because I really had to figure out how to make $1 become $10. Like that's what I was looking for. So I just learned <laughs> the books inside and out. So I'm like, oh, okay. I, I know QuickBooks and I know accounting. Let me see if I can do that for some small restaurants, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of days a week while I'm home or whatever. 
So I put the word out and I got a couple of restaurants just from my, you know, my colleagues in the industry. And, um, and I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. And this is fun. Like, I like this. So then I joined this networking group. It was called a BNI group, a Business Networking International yeah, yeah. down by me, right? I'm thinking, I'm going to try this thing out. I, I'll never forget that first day I showed up. I'm like, oh, this is Casey and I have this bookkeeping service. I had, I'm not even kidding, like 10 people lined up at the end of the meeting waiting to talk to me about my services. And they weren't in the restaurants. Wow. So this, these were contractors, painters, yeah, yeah. lawyers, real estate agents. And I was like, oh, um, okay. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, but I think two plus two equals four, no matter where you go. And I, so I was kind of, I was a little bit usually, like, let me, usually right? Yeah. I was hoping, but I, I knew nothing but restaurants in my life up until this point. I knew nothing but restaurants. So I'm like, okay, but I wanted the work and I was kind of greedy. I'm like, let me see if I can make this work. And it turns out the math is the same. Yeah. So I, so I ended up growing Spark because of literally because of that BNI group and just my colleagues in the restaurant oh, industry. Cool. I ended up just having so many clients within three months. I think I had 25 clients. It was like crazy. Wow. People need this type of help. It's funny. You were in Boston. I was in Boston about the same time. You know, I used to live in Boston. I did not know that. Uh, actually, I, I used to work for Wolfgang Puck. I was a chef for Wolfgang Puck in the early 2000s. And I opened <gasps> up the Museum of Science, the Wolfgang Puck at the Museum of Science there. Oh my God, that's so I was amazing. There for a long time. And then I left Wolfgang Puck and I started my own consulting company in Boston. And I used to do, uh, I did consulting for quite a few restaurants, uh, some stuff in the North End. I did the Barking Crab. Oh <laughs> so, God, that's a classic. That's a classic place. Yeah. North so, End Consulting. Woo. Okay. Uh, I know. Little places, they're not open anymore. A small little hole in the wall place called Carmen's. It was a beautiful, right next to the Paul Revere house. I know it. Oh, that was one of my favorites, to be honest with you. And I don't love the North End, but I did love that I place. I love that place. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Great little place. Small restaurant. Like what? Food was so good. Yeah, it was but, tiny. Yeah, super small, yeah. But the food was so good. Yep. So do me a favor. Break. Can you break down the core principles of the Profit First system and how specifically it can really benefit restaurant owners? Yeah. So I'd say that the easiest and best way for me to describe it to the listeners, if they're not familiar with Profit First, is mm -hmm. it really is just all about putting intention behind every single dollar that comes into your business and giving it a job. It's as simple as that. Because when you don't, which most people don't, who aren't using Profit First, right? if you're not putting intention behind literally every penny that comes into your business, mm. it's just like, to me, like the visual is like, you think of a, a, a clothes dryer and all the money is just like going in circles, the dryer's on. And when the bill comes in, you open the door, you grab a fistful, it comes out and you go pay that bill. Like that's, that's, that's how I feel like, that's, that's how it. I that's was it. running yeah. restaurant for years. <laughs> that's how I'd seen it as I managed other places for years. It was just, there was no intention there. Oh, this is due. Oh, is there money? Oh, okay. Let me pay it. It was like that, but there's no intention behind that method at all. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it just becomes this free for all every day. And there's just, it's just out of control. So when I learned about profit first and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then they make you, before you become a, a profit first professional that I am now, like you have to do it in your business first. And I was one of the original, I was in the first 50 people. And they monitor you while you do it in your business. And I will say this, like at the time I have a service-based business, right? Like yeah. I don't sell stuff. Like I have a certain, and I was doing well, like I was doing well anyway. And I still had a team yeah. and I was doing well. But when I implemented Profit First, because I had to, to become, um, yeah. you know, certified, yeah. it transformed. Like I was doing well after that. I was, whoa, 
whoa, I'll have to say, it's like, I was like, oh my God, I just did what? Like it was, my business skyrocketed in every way imaginable, not just in sales and the referrals, mm -hmm. but in profitability in owner's pay. Wow. There was a point where I was like, oh my God, that, that's, yeah. that's me. That, I'm supposed to take that money? Like what? Yeah. It was crazy. So yeah. So like when I did it in my business, it's just about putting yeah it's just about being intention and with the restaurant industry specifically because it is all about like that windfall mm. of friday saturday nights that's yeah. gonna hit the account on monday or tuesday i can make like, it <laughs> yeah, i can make barely, it I mean, you know Woo! coming in hot right and then all of a sudden you all you know you open up that bank account maybe tuesday morning you see all those weekend deposits hit you're like bang wow. now i'm gonna pay some bills and then you spend all the money because yeah, it's there. Nothing left for you. Yeah. And you're like, I worked all hard this weekend for nothing. Right. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. left. But you're like, oh, oh, damn. All right. Well, Saturday's coming up again. And then it happens mm -hmm. all over again, all over again, because there's no intention behind every dollar. So that's the, that's really the principle that I hit home. Yeah. I, and I kind of really relate the profit first principle to that book, The Richest Man Babylon. Where Ooh, he, I have not read it, but I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. Where he actually tells it's a story of these two guys. It's like a fable. And he talks about how this one guy became these two guys went to, you know, grew up together. One guy became really, really wealthy. And, and he, they meet years later and say, How come you're so wealthy? We went to the same schools. We got the same education. He goes, I pay myself first. <gasps> he goes, I, I take out my money and I put it aside for me first. And that's to me, that's the whole beauty of the profit mm -hmm. first is that. Take your profit out first. So many times when restaurants look at a PL, again, you, we look, we run it from top to bottom. Right. Yeah. Right. Where, exactly. What if you reverse it? It's the same thing like with hiring. Most times we hire for skill and we fire for personality. Mm -hmm. so what if you reverse that? What if you hire for personality and then train the skill? Oh, same preach. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. First. What if you just instead of waiting until the end of the PL to take your profit out? What if you take your profit out first and then it's just like a budget. If like, if this is, if I take out my profit first, now this is all the money I have to spend. You're a little more conscientious of how you spend your money. Oh yeah. And then amazing. And then a thousand other amazing things happen because if you take your profit first, which profit is a choice. And I don't think anyone's been taught that, right? No, Nobody's taught that. that. As I go to hashtag, I would say hashtag write this shit down. Profit <laughs> is a hashtag write this yeah. shit down. Profit is a choice. Everyone is, write that yeah. shit down. Profit yeah. is a choice. Profit is a choice. It is not a happy accident. That is what I say over and over again. And that, because that's what happens. People think like profit is like this random number on the bottom of a PL that may or may not be good. And it's like, like a report card. Like it's just, no, like profit is, should be money in a bank account that you point to and like, hey, there is my profit. You should be, you should see it. It should be there. That's and mine. it's a choice that's that you mine. make. That's yes. mine. And so I, I love that I write about this so passionately, I think in the book, because it's for any business, right? Mm -hmm. If you choose to take, if every business were taught that, Hey, you're going to open a business, you're going to have some sales, you're going to sell this thing and the money's going to come to the account. And then you're going to take your profit first. And it's not a hundred percent. I mean, right, right. I wish it was, oh, but yeah, it's yeah, not, it was, it's maybe not, it's no. five, maybe it's 10%. It's whatever your, you know, your business model should be. You right. set that aside and then you mm -hmm. operate on what's left. How many businesses would be thriving today would not you know your kids it's unbelievable because profit serves just so many aspects in a business that a common business owner doesn't know so yeah take the, i would tell you profit. right now like if you're listening to this and you want to implement this thing remember you start small it's just like when people have high prime cost and they have to like control their prime cost you're not gonna make big jumps you're not gonna radically cut your oh, prime yeah. cost you're gonna do it like a couple percent at a time to start narrowing it down yep. and make a plan to start narrowing it. same thing with profit first you start with a small percent Mm -hmm. to get used to it, two, three percent. And then you work your way up to the where you want to be. 
but it's not like I'm going to take 15% out right now. Oh yeah. Because you might not be there yet. You know, so you exactly. start small and you work your way up. Yep. What, what are, Hey, what are some of the common financial pitfalls that you see restaurant owners fall into and how does your approach help them navigate these challenges? Yeah, I think I would go back to my Saturday night analogy because mm. that is what I find the majority of restaurant owners when they're in a struggle, it's because they base Mm. all of their spending. So really they base their business off of Saturday night sales. Sales, that's it. Even though logically Saturday only comes once a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but if you're but if you're building a business to have expenses around that sale night, that one night of sales, and no other night lives up to that, you're gonna constantly be in the hole. And the exactly. thing is, even though it, you know, it sounds so, I think like simple and logical for me to say it, but I was, I, I didn't realize that when I had my restaurants or when I was managing all the ones before the one I owned, like there was, you just don't think that way. You think that every night's going to be Saturday night, believe it or not. And you, always, you yeah. build your business and you build the expenses and all the things you want to do around that. And that just gets you into trouble. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I noticed, and I thought maybe it was just me, but as I interviewed and talked to so many different restaurateurs, as I wrote the book and just the ones that I've known in my life, right, right. is that debt is looked at very differently by small business owners and especially restaurateurs in that it's almost like something that you win, like gambling, it seems like. Like, oh my God, I just got approved for that loan. Oh yeah, let's go. And it's like, <laughs> No, I mean, but I was one of them. So I'm not even trying to shame anyone. I would like, I remember oh, my yeah, business yeah. partners like high-fiving as we got another one of those ridiculously high interest loans just because it was a band-aid. But the thing was, why did we need that money? We weren't yeah. looking at that. Why did we need the loan? And then what did it really mean to have to pay it back? Because how do you pay back debt it, through profit? There is no other way to pay back debt without profit. So if you're not profitable in the first place, then you go out and you get a loan because you're yeah. not profitable. And now you have to pay back the loan, but there's no profit to pay it back, but you're still paying it back. You have to backfill more debt to be able to pay the first loan. And it is a snowball to hell of debt. And I see this happen more often than not. And so it's, I think just understanding debt and, and how it needs to be paid back and and it's not, I'm not saying that debt is terrible, although in no, no, no. an ideal world, it would be great to be debt-free. Sometimes debt is super necessary, mm -hmm. but how people engage with it, plan for it, and especially plan to pay it back, because again, it's profit that pays that. You got to make sure you have it, is a whole new ball game. And I just think that's that's something, that's a pitfall that restaurateurs fall into all the time. And I wouldn't expect them to understand it, but if, you know, certainly if they read the chapter in the book, but if they can just listen to this podcast and understand that <laughs> debt is a whole thing that you really do have to wrap your head around a little bit more, or you're just going to get into more trouble. I call it the gambler's fallacy. Oh. Gamblers always think that, you know, uh, that I'll, I'll, I'll win this next hand and I'll break, I'll get all my money back. Same thing. We start taking out those loans. You have this gambler's fallacy. You think that this loan is going to help me. I'll get profitable with this loan. This loan's going to do it. Exactly. This loan is the one thing that's going to make me profitable. Not running my business more effectively is going to make me profitable, but this loan is going to help me. And I just need this loan to get the pressure off me and then I'll get profit and then I'll be fine. That's exactly right. That is the exact mentality. And, and without actually diagnosing the problem why you needed that loan in the first place, it's just yeah. going to keep happening and it gets worse. So I think that's probably the number one 
pitfall that I see. And then there's the other ones. There's like, you know, the chef, you know, not doing proper menu costing, you know, oh, and you know, a, a chef number thinking, one thing I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm always shocked. I'll speak at audience, like a thousand people in the room, restaurant owners. And I'll say, raise your hand, everyone in the room, who's costed out your menu down to the penny and 5% raise their hand. That's it. I'm well, like, you're being honest. Okay. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I mean, totally shocked how many people don't cost out their menu, know their food cost. Oh, yeah. Because I have, there was a, one of my first restaurant clients I worked with. He was swearing up. Oh, I, I run 30%. I run 30%. And then we would actually do the numbers, like the oh, yeah. legit, the money part. And I'd be like, dude, you're at 42%. No, I'm not. Well, like, <laughs> uh, here's, I'm, show, I'm showing you, like, the, this is the math. This is the money. This is the invoice. What we're, Tell me where I'm going wrong. And it would just be like, Oh, you must be wrong. And and I'll spend some time digging into your reports. Okay. Let me know what you find. And they, and then they never come back with anything. Cause I know that I'm not wrong. It's not, you know, it's not simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. And then they go on and they keep just, they have their, no 30%. And maybe because in their head, they're like, Oh, I'm going to charge $35 for the steak. And I bought it for this. And Oh, there you go. Yeah. There, not thinking my like, what yeah. about the bread service? What about salt and pepper? What about the garnish? What about the, all the other things that oh, go into it, they're not yeah. thinking about it. And that can add up. I mean, or worse, it does. Or they go on Google and they'll say, what's a good food cost for a restaurant? And Google yeah. will say like, 30 to 34%. And then they'll call me and say, hey, Donald, my, you know, I get these calls every month. Hey, my food cost is 30%. Is that good? And I'll say, I don't know. And they go, what do you mean you don't know? Aren't you the restaurant coach? I go, yeah, let me ask you a question. What's your theoretical food cost? And they go, I don't know. I say, that's the problem. But you see, if your theoretical food cost is 28, then 30% is a pretty good food cost. You just run about 2% above theoretical. But if your theoretical is 21, eh, now you got a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're leaving so much, so many restaurants leave so much money on the table by not understanding that gap between theoretical and actual food cost and working consistently to close that gap. Exactly. That's the biggest problem I find. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when you're looking around and, and you talk a lot in your book uh, about a business model of mastery. Mm -hmm. And especially about understanding and mastering business models, what do you think are like some of the key components of a successful restaurant business model? Accounting is number one. Knowing your cost, number two. Knowing your numbers, yeah. What else? I would say that a successful business model is going to be modeled after your break even. And Ooh, this is what cool. I mean by that. I this is This is where, because that's kind of like, the mm. starting point, your break even on, and, and that includes everything, right? Like, what do you need to bring in and pay? Like, what does that look like? What do you absolutely need to do every day or any day of the week mm -hmm. to just break even? And is that a walk in the park? Is that an easy, like, will you do that? Because that's where, that's where you need to start with your business model is yeah. what's the, what's the lowest sale I can go sales wise, right? What, what's yeah. the lowest I can go before I start to panic? Like, what is that? And what I find so often, especially with people coming to me because they want to start up a restaurant and they mm -hmm. consult on that or ones that have been upside down for so long, they can't see the forest yeah. through the trees type thing. And they don't understand it is that when we, we drill down, we're like, okay, well, you needed to, you know, your restaurant, your a thousand square foot restaurant needs to bring in $5,000 a day in sales. What's it been doing? Oh, 1200. Okay. 
Like you need, like you, we need to understand that. So I think I, I think I start the book by saying, I feel like, you know, my days are filled with talking people out of starting restaurants all day long. (laughs) And it is because they'll come to me with, I want to start a food truck. Great. I love food trucks. Okay. Let's, let's, let's back engineer it. How much money you want to make? Oh, I want to make 150 grand a year. Oh. Oh, oh wow! Okay, well, that's that's, an, that's uh, yeah, that's a couple million dollar food truck. <laughs> oh, it is. And how are we going to do that? And we keep we keep going backwards. How, okay, so how many yeah. tacos? Oh, you're with a, so with a ten dollar guest check average. That's a yeah. lot of tacos. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And we'll be like, okay, do you think that you can service ten thousand people a day? <laughs> I mean, logistically, do you think that's actually going to work by yourself because you can't afford? So it's just it's really like chiseling away. Oh, you know what it is. I just heard this uh, story in this this book. I don't know if you've read it yet. It's called uh, "10x is easier than 2x." Oh, it's a great book. Yeah, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Yes. So uh, I have and, not uh, finished it, but I've started. I love it. Yeah, it's a great and book, actually. It's so good. In the big, in the uh, one of the opening stories is about Michelangelo and the story yeah. of the statue of David, and when he was asked um when michelangelo was asked years later like how did you do it how did you bring this david to life like he's like real life he just said that was simple i stripped away everything that wasn't david and it was just such a pure statement like if you just go back to your restaurant thinking of the statue of david and chisel away anything that isn't just that that's your business model that's the core how do what does it need to sell to sustain and be yep. okay, be gut okay with that number. Because if you're not, don't like, oh, I hope it gets better. Like that's that's it's not. Actually, it's actually one of my favorite quotes from Michelangelo is that one. And I use it a lot for us since I say that my favorite quote, Michelangelo is, I saw the angel in the marble and I chiseled until I set it free. Oh. <gasps> yeah, that's like my favorite quote. It's like, Isaiah, that's your life. Your life is like that marble. And every day you're just chiseling away until you get the life you want. Oh, I have not heard that, and I love it. That's my favorite. I'm a I'm a quote freak. I love. Yeah, quotes. I probably. My other favorite quote for restaurant owners is from Mario Andretti, and the quote is: "This is great for this is perfect for restaurant owners. If everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough." <laughs> oh, that's another. That's my good other one. favorite quote for restaurant owners. He's down. Everything everything seems under control. You're just not going fast enough. I like that one a lot. Yeah. So you talk a lot about falling back in love with your business. And you encourage rest, you know, entrepreneurs, especially to fall in love with their business. Can you elaborate on why this emotional connection is so critical for success? Yeah, I definitely can. Um, you know, it's interesting that you asked this question because when I kind of implemented that theme throughout the mm-hmm. book and have it, you know, a chapter on culture and, and, and you know, internal, external culture and things like that, my editor, and I had a couple and the editor was like, eh, this doesn't really, you know, this isn't a accounting. There's no numbers with that. Like, I, that's like a separate book. I'm like, okay. And I, I went to go take it out. Like, all right, maybe I should write a separate book about love in the restaurant industry. I don't know. But then I was like, no, then the book was like bare to me. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. Like the math made sense, but the mm-hmm. whole thing didn't work for me anymore. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm bringing it back in. So I just tried it a different way because here's why I find it to be so incredibly important. And, and oh, we're going to go back to quotes. There's like that Maya Angelou quote. Everyone sees it. You know, people will forget what you said. Oh, yeah, yeah. They'll forget what you did. They'll never forget how they yeah, made how you, you feel, made right? You feel. Yep. So to, to bring that back to your question, like, have you ever, you know, even gone to a restaurant or even like this morning, I went and got my coffee at a local like little coffee shop. 
and like the barista is just not having a good morning, right? <laughs> have you ever had that? Like you could I tell. love that they're, they're having they, a really bad day. Yeah, they're just so. like you know, and I that's I could, everyone has bad days, but like in the service industry, I don't I don't want to feel that from you, and your, I feel I like your negative energy. No, if you if you as the leader, the owner, the head, the front face, whatever you want to say of your restaurant, are are feeling like that shitty barista like having a bad day if you're not disney world all the time people are going to feel and sense that not even just your employees which we'll just start there because then that just emanates off of them onto the clients but the, oh, yeah, exactly. the guess every it, it will infiltrate every part of your business and that i think that also seems like a simple thing to say but i see it all the time because a business owner is so just a restaurant owner especially they're so busy all the things there's a million moving parts and they're not like oh no one cares how i feel what do they care if i'm in a bad like they're thinking that nobody's affected but trust me they're oh. affected everybody is affected and it comes out through your employees into the yeah. food into the glass into every part of your business and there's just an energy there without sounding woo because I don't mean to, but oh, there no. is definitely an, a negative energy there that your guests will feel even before they enter your door. I guarantee you they will feel it. And if they're not feeling good, why would you come first to mind when they're thinking about the next place they're going to go out to eat? Like, why would they? They're not. They might not be able to pinpoint it and say, I'm not going back there because my server was in a bad mood. Like they might not, they might, but they might not be able to say that. No. But they'll just know when they're thinking, oh, let's go out to let's go out to eat this week. Where do we want to go? It's just not going to come first of mind because of the way you made them feel, whether you knew it or you, you didn't. So if you're a business owner and you can really fall in love or back in love, like, let's face it, nobody goes, nobody opens a restaurant because they want to start a business. I mean, if they, did, <laughs> they should start any other business other than the restaurant yeah, yeah. business, right? People start restaurants because they're building a dream. And that dream comes from passion and love and just an enthusiasm like no other in any other industry that I work in. And so you have to maintain and keep that in order to be great at it. Otherwise, you're just going to wither on the vine. I would say hashtag write this shit down. Your, <laughs> your vibe attracts your tribe. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Oh, another good one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say culture flows down, doesn't blow up. You are the epicenter of culture in your restaurant. Your energy, your vibe, your core values infiltrate and permeate your team and that flows down to the guest experience so if your vibe is off your team's vibe is off which means the guest experience is off yep and that is not an opinion that is a fact that's a fact mm -hmm. that is not opinion that is a fact hashtag facts <laughs> <laughs> there it is we got a lot of hashtags today yeah now we do yeah. <laughs> so so let's talk about some sustainable growth strategies for small business owners who are just starting out. What are some foundational steps that you would say ensure sustainable growth? Number one, we know break even, right? Yeah. What else? Yeah, yeah. So um, it would definitely be to implement uh, the profit first cash management system right away. Starting As a matter there. of fact, right away, they, right away. So I just right before I got on um, this call with you, I was speaking to a couple of gentlemen out of Brooklyn who are about to open up uh, a cafe and um, they read the book and they're, you know, they're great. And uh, they're wondering like, well, when, you know, when should we do it? Because it's an investment to work with us for us to do it. And we're happy to do it with you. It, there is an investment. It's a small cafe. It's, you know, not going to do huge money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I wrote the book. So like, technically you can just, you know, take the book and implement it. But if you really want the coaching behind it and consulting, 
we can certainly, you know, work with you for an engagement period, but you know, just know it's an investment. But the whole point was, is like, is start the foundation now, because if you start now, like knowing like, okay, here's my income account. And I'm going to, I'm going to have my, my point of sale point to that. So I know my money is going to pile up in that account. And then my next account, maybe that's going to be my, my sales tax, my meals tax. Cause let's not screw with that because that's not your money. Okay. It's not your money. You, you know, you're a trustee of it for the state or, you know, wherever. So you need to like, just take that off the top and move it aside so that you never have to worry about meals tax compliance because it is not fun. There's never a winner other than the state. That's true. Just don't mess, <laughs> don't mess with it. And I see, and I just see it's so common. It's oh, such yeah. a common mistake that people oh, think yeah. it's their money. So I would do that. Okay. And then the next thing I would do is, you know, just to start with a baby step, I would probably have them either do a payroll or a COGS account, or maybe both if they're feeling sassy. Um, just to, again, just to give intention behind that money. If you're running, you know, a 30% payroll and you want to make sure, then hey, transfer 30 cents on every dollar to that account. And that's your payroll. So when your payroll sweep comes out, it should cover it. And if it doesn't, what happens? You got to cover it from somewhere. But now you know there's an issue with payroll immediately because you didn't have enough money to cover it. Guess what? You're not running at a 30% payroll, are you? You're running more. And now you know where to spend your time figuring out your scheduling, et cetera. And the same the same tactic applies to the food and mm. beverage, the COGS account, yeah, right? Yeah. If you think you're running a combined 30, 32, 35 percent mm -hmm. and you move that money over and then you sit down to go write out your checks to pay the vendors if you if there's not enough money in there well then guess what that's not the cost that you're running and now you know what you need to spend your time going to fix right. you know menu prices whatever it is that's what you need to do once i love about the system is that it bubbles up to the surface immediately any issues that you're having whether it's payroll it's too high Food beverage, food and beverage costs too high, whatever it is, it bubbles it up to the surface so that you can fix it immediately rather than wait till the books are done and they're closed and this accountant looks at it and then you find time to meet with them and then maybe you look at them, maybe you don't, who knows. But now two months have gone by when you could have known something two months ago that you could have fixed, right? And it could be a simple a dollar menu increase or whatever it is. Somebody leaves, goes home an hour early on the schedule. So that's what I love is just setting up accounts wherever I would say, wherever you think you, the restaurateur, I think that you might, might be a big cost for you, whether it's payroll or food and beverage or both set that money aside, put the intention there and start there. Very, very cool. That's perfect. No, and you can see how the profit first kind of system actually helps you stay in alignment with your budgets and also with your, your cogs that you're trying to hit. Cause that's another thing for most restaurants they either have in their prime cost problem they either have a food cost or a labor problem and nowadays a lot of times it's labor because you know they're not managing overtime they're not managing clock in clock outs team just kind of does what they want and it's like and they have this certain set or they think in their mind that their labor is going to be this but then when the payroll comes around it's like wow what happened <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's like, yep. oh well, how, how did that happen I didn't, I didn't see that coming right yeah mm -hmm. So, oh, I see that all the time. And then the thing is, mm -hmm. like, the restaurateur's response is like, well, I needed everybody. So that's what that's yeah. what always like gets you me. Don't need everybody, well, I need, yeah. OK, well, if you needed everybody and you couldn't afford everybody, then your business model is broken. Exactly. Then that means, yeah, there's something broken, right? Yeah. And and know it now and fix it now, because otherwise you're just going to backfill it with debt. And that's going to be a whole other issue than you have other than a high labor mm -hmm. cost. Yeah. 
Yeah, broken business models are, oh, they're so common, more common than people think. It's like oh, you yeah. said, like the food truck guy wants to make $150,000. I get the same thing. I got a small little cafe. He's doing, he's got like 20 seats. And I'll say, what are you estimating doing sales? Three million? What, 20 seats? Wow. I mean, anything's possible, but let's take a look at the model and see what that means. Is that, is your, you're like a Lina and you're charging $200 a plate. Okay. That might work. You might right. make exactly. it happen. Exactly. Yeah. But how much is your food? How much is your guest check average? $15? Mm. The numbers don't work. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of turns. That's going to be a lot of turns. 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Like you're going to have to like walk by taking people's plates from before they finish. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. The only time I've ever seen like a small restaurant, I mean, crank out, crank out huge numbers with a small uh, restaurant was I, I did a consulting job back in the 90s in Telluride, Colorado for a small mm. restaurant called the Floridora. And the owner at the time, his name was Howie Stern, Howard Stern, not the radio guy. Right. Wow. Guy. But Howie was the master at French seating. He only had 50 seats at this little B restaurant. French seating is where he would like, let's say he had a four, there'd be a line at the door, right? There'd be a line at the door. He'd walk up and he had a four top. He goes, how many, how many people in your party? Two. All right. Who's got a two? Who's got a two? You two come here. Let's go introduce them to each other. All right. And he'd sit them at the same table. He would see every seat was always full. How many people you got in your party? Three. Who's a single? Who's a single? Who's a single? Come on, let's go. And he would pull them over and he would sit at one person at the table. Every seat was always full because the most expensive thing in a restaurant is an empty seat how we understood this mm -hmm. he did this french seating where he just like sat everyone together and everyone got to be friends and it actually really contributed to the atmosphere because you got to meet some people from around the world yeah, it was pretty that cool works. it was that's a pretty cool amazing. concept yeah and i tell you i mean you talk about doing like a small restaurant doing 400 500 covers for lunch it was horrible only time the printer stopped is when it ran out of paper <laughs> in oh the kitchen God, that's it was a nightmare a lot of places like that oh, <laughs> oh those are unicorns but they're great oh yeah it was crazy it was crazy yeah i write about it in my very first book your restaurant sucks i tell a little story about because when he hired me i went in and tried to change his menu and he didn't like me changing this menu. <laughs> I bet. He like, so he was like i don't want you, i want you to just help I, I accentuate my don't change my menu because this mm -hmm. menu is not broken i just want to give me a couple different options don't do a radical you know because you go in as a consultant thinking i'm gonna fix everything and yeah party. yeah sometimes you don't need a fix to it you just gotta go in and listen to what's really <sighs> yeah i it's totally like, agree with that it's like the old joke of the guy like uh machine's not working guy calls a service guy service guy looks at it kicks it one time writes the service bill hands it to the guy goes a hundred dollars. All you did was kick it. He goes, well, I charge. I, he goes, kicking it was free. I charged you a hundred dollars to know where to kick it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. That's consulting right yep. there. Yeah. <laughs> How come your fee's so high? It's good. You didn't do a lot. Well, it's because I knew where to kick it at. Yep. Where to kick it. In the, where to kick you. That's all. Mm -hmm. So let's look ahead and say, what emerging trends do you kind of see in the restaurant industry? And how should owners adapt to stay ahead financially? So there's, I have two different answers. So what I see as emerging trends and what I want to see are two very different things. So that's why I'm out here doing this. That's why I wrote the book. Exactly. So what I see as emerging is a lot of technology and I am not anti-technology, no matter how old you think I am, Donald, I'm not anti-technology. I love it when it works. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and I love efficiencies, obviously, of course, I'm a queen of efficiencies. Um, 
but when it takes away the experience or any of the personal connection and hospitality and restaurants is really all about the connection. I mean, you're usually you're going out with someone cause you're going to connect with them or a group of people for a, you yep. know, a birthday or a holiday or a celebration of any kind. It's, it's about connection. Even if you go, I, I go out by, to eat by myself a lot. I travel a lot. I love, and I sometimes just like to be by myself, get away from my kids. So I will go out and I just, it's the connection with the bartender. It's what, so there's yeah, just yeah. a connection there. And I feel like that is getting lost. Um, and then I really want to bring it back and here's how I'm doing it. I'm going to tell you how I'm doing it right now. And on my small scale. So I became, um, a little guest teacher at my local high school last oh, wow. year. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I went to them and I said, I want to come teach a class. And I was surprised they actually said yes. And I was going to do it on, um, man, on accounting, managerial accounting. Um, but when I got into this class and I kind of got the feel for these kids and they were sophomores, juniors, and seniors, I thought they needed something more. Like none of them were thinking small business wise. They all, they, at that point, either they didn't know what they were going to go do, or they thought they were going to get a job in a cubicle somewhere. Like they didn't, oh, wow. none of them really saw that there was a world out there that you could really love what you do and have an impact. Like none of them saw it. It's a big class, like 35 kids. So we started a business together. I actually went to the town. There was an abandoned concession stand, a snack shack at the, um, at the athletic fields. Mm -hmm. So with this class, I said, we're going to start a business together. And we legit started this business. So we did the business plan. We got the supplies. We got the equipment. We learned how to use it. And then the day comes in April where we open and we open and these kids come down and they yeah, work yeah. the shifts and they're like, on their phone oh. and, and they've got the back to like where people come up in order because they're chatting with their friend. And mm -hmm. I'm just standing there. I'm like, guys, this is your community. You got make eye contact, smile, ask the eight year old how his game just went. Like, yeah, this is communicate. This is your community here. Like this is, and they're like, wait, what, what do you want us to do? I was like, okay, no. Like, and so I started doing it and then I would like pull them like, no, like have a conversation. Like she's wearing a softball shirt. Yeah. So then they, so then they're like, okay, you're weird. But then they started doing it. And I am telling you, Donald, the, the look, the smile on their faces of the reaction they were getting back from parents and from the yeah. kids. Like there was like this thing. I'm like having goosebumps telling you the story. There was this thing happening where they're like, Oh my God, if I just smile and ask somebody how their day was, they can do it back to me. And now everybody's happy. What? And they're going to pay, they're going to tip me. And I'm going to, they were like, this is unbelievable. And so I, so every weekend I would go down and work it with these kids. And I'd be like, this is about hospitality. This is where, how we're going to engage. We're going to make somebody's day every day. And we're going to, this is how we're going to do it. And so I ended up, you know, probably working with a hundred, 150 kids down there. Wow. From spring throughout the summer. And every time it was like, this is how you, communicate. This is called hospitality. We're all, we're just going to try and bring joy to everybody's day as many people as we can. That's it. And we're going to do it through Skittles and Gatorade. Why not? So this is how we, and they loved it. And now people are like, they wrote me letters and they're like, oh, wow. I think I'm going to go into hospitality now, like the seniors. And I'm thinking, this is what's missing. This is what yeah. they need to understand. There is joy in hospitality. And I think a lot of it has been driven out of the industry because it's Ooh. such a hard, grueling industry. Yeah. And that's become the norm. I would say, I hate to say like a lot of those reality TV shows, like 
emphasize mm. the stereotype. Yes. You're going to get yelled and screamed at. You're going to be called a donkey. You know, we're going to just humiliate you. You're never going to see your family. Your goldfish is going to die because you're never going to go home. Yep. You know, and so I, we've done a really great job of alienating people from wanting to join the restaurant industry, the hospitality <sighs> industry, because we've created this divide ourselves. Mm hmm. That's Absolutely. I'm like you. I believe that we have to have this mission to bring the hospitality back to hospitality. You know? Absolutely. And and everybody wins when you do that. It's not like we're mm -hmm. saying, like, guys, you got to go run, you know, a 10K. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's actually a win, win, win all the way around. I think it's just been exactly. it's just been forgotten. I think that's as simple as that. It's just been forgotten mm -hmm. that, it, that, that been. joy is a thing and that people go to restaurants because they're celebrating usually. There's mm -hmm. some type of celebration in there, whether yeah. it, no matter what it is, and that's where joy comes. And if we could do that, if we can bring that back in a, in a substantial way that I feel like there will be a line of people waiting just to get into the industry. And then we'll have the pick of the litter in terms of employees, which I know there's a labor shortage. Like I understand like that that's happening. And it's a real thing. But if we can kind of change how people see our industry and what it's like to work in the industry, what it's like to make a career out of this, and really, like, who doesn't want to have a mission of bringing joy? Like, what's exactly. wrong with that? Exactly. I want to go to work every day and do that. I want to. I want to put a challenge out to everybody, like listening to the podcast or watching the video on YouTube. I want to put a personal challenge out to everyone: is please, you have to do a better job of marketing your culture. So many times when people are marketing a social media, you're showing me the same boring pictures of your food, which is which is nice, but it gets overdone. Show me your team having a good time. Show me your team having fun. Show me you training your team. Showing your show me your team learning. Show me your team developing. Show me your team having a great time working in your restaurant, and that is going to start spreading that message back that the hospitality business is about hospitality. We're not going to treat you like dirt. We're not going to treat you like shit. We're not going to like, you know, yep. just take you for granted. And probably the most powerful thing you can do in a restaurant is one thing. Every day, make a promise to yourself. Make a promise to your team that you never leave the restaurant without walking up to everyone on your team, looking them in the eye, shaking their hand and saying the two most powerful words in human language. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you just put that out there. I think that is it's awesome. Huge. I think and I, you're right. I mean, that will spread like wildfire if enough people will do that and put it out there and it will change the face of what the industry is now. And this is interesting that you said that because it brings me back to like my early, early days with the chart house because the chart house was very much about culture. Yeah. I mean, a thousand percent. I remember at the Newport chart house, there was a door before you walked in the back door into the, into the dish area. That's how you enter the restaurant. It says, mm -hmm. leave your bummer at the door. It was Ooh, above it, and it just said that, leave your bummer at the door. And even though you could roll your eyes or you might miss it after you've been there a hundred times, whatever, it just, it was, it's, it was ingrained in me. And I'm sure it was ingrained to everyone else because nobody ever dreaded working that there. Like yeah. you loved, everybody was on the same page. Everybody was there leaving their bummer at the door and you're coming in and you're high-fiving and man, I was the salad bar girl for a while. And you better believe that was the best looking salad bar in the world yeah. because I just love being there. It was just great. It was have, all about the culture. Yeah. I always have all my clients, like you say, if they have closed kitchens, especially, you know, a lot of times you're, you're back in the kitchen and you're going out through a door into the dining room. And I always have all my clients put on their, on the door or on the wall above the door. You are on stage. Smile. Oh yes. Just yep. as reminders, you're walking out that door, you're on stage and yep. you got to smile every time you walk out that door. And I'm like you, like leave your bummer at the door. I use the same kind of analogy. I'll tell, I always say, leave your bags because mm. everyone has emotional baggage. 
Oh God, yeah, don't we Everyone all? Has yep. Me included. Mm-hmm. Everyone has emotional baggage. We all have. If you if you don't have emotional baggage, you're not a human being. All right. That's what. I yep. Want. Everyone, everyone does. You got to leave at the door and just like. And everyone, yes. And everyone can set it aside for a time yeah. frame and actually we'll all be better off, including yourself. So, yeah. And a lot of times I'll do this exercise when I do like group workshops. I'll say, I'll tell you right now, if you took your problems, which you think are horrible and you think they're over, over, oh, I mean, overwhelming and just too much. If you took your piles and we'd have everyone in the room, put all their problems in a pile. And I said, go back and pick out two problems. When you solve some other people's problems, you'd grab your problems <laughs> and say, you know what? Uh, I'll take That's actually a great analogy. Oh my God, put another one like, I want to write down. I'll, I'll take, I'll, oh. you know what? My, my problems aren't so bad. Can yeah. You, I think I'm fine with these two. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> so awesome. Man, you're dealing with some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 And then I would say right now, so if you need to contact Casey, go to her website. It's www.profitfirst, the number four, restaurants.com. I'm going to put forward, uh, you know, we're, we're it's almost at December of 2023. We're heading into 2024. I would say two initiatives you want to do for 2024. Number one, you got to do profit first for your mm-hmm. restaurant. You have to do profit first for restaurant. You got to change your mindset. Remember, the Saturday sales model is broken. I wrote that down. The Ooh. Saturday sales model is broken. You got to take your profit out first. Pay yourself first. This is the only way you're going to really, really find that. I mean, talk about falling in love with your restaurant. You fall in love when you find that I'm making some money. <laughs> you, <laughs> you do. Know? Yeah, you yeah, do. I love, I love the mm-hmm. restaurant when I'm making yep. money. Mm-hmm. So number one, 2024, first initiative, profit first, has to be at the top of your list. Number two initiative, I'm going to challenge everyone to do. Teach your team about financial independence. Teach your team about fi- the number one problem I think that permeates the restaurant industry is financial illiteracy. People don't know how to manage their money. And that's why servers live paycheck to paycheck, tips to tips all the time because they don't know how to budget their money. Take mm-hmm. these tips that you're learning for profit first, teach them yes. to your team, teach them how to manage your money. Teach, if nothing else, teach them just how to set up a simple budget and how to live within their budget. Yeah. that will help you out so much. If you can get your team off the, you know, the day-to-day like or paycheck to paycheck wagon they're on, you know, this kind of hamster wheel they're stuck on. If you can get them off that hamster wheel and teach them about financial literacy, how to improve their credit score, how to get credit cards, how to use credit responsibly, not irresponsibly. You don't mm-hmm. need that goddamn Louis, Louis Vuitton bag. You know, if you're, you know, well, <laughs> you might need one. You might get one if you have you this, might. if you do profit first, you'll be able to buy as many as you, you want. Actually, you get a lot of Louis Vuitton bags, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. contact Casey, please reach out. If not, read, she has a great book out there. It's Profit First for Restaurants. She also has mm-hmm. it on audiobook too, available. Mm-hmm. I have to give a shout out to one of my certified restaurant coaches. Her name's Fatima. She lives in Australia. Fatima is probably your biggest fan in the world. I love her. your biggest fan. She has read your book three times. She told me that she, she, she read your messaged us on Instagram times. and she's, I love her. Oh my yeah. God. She loves your book. In fact, she's the one who said, oh, you gotta have, you gotta have Casey on your podcast. Oh <laughs> no, I love her even more. Her Fatima, like Fatima, like was so adamant. Her one thing that she wants to know is like, are you coming out with a book for profit first for restaurants for Australians? Because their tax system is so messed up that she needs she needs you to help her. She's like, I really need help because you know because the book is written for American taxes and oh, my taxes down here are so messed up. 
our our you know the way we do it she goes oh, if she, you could just ask casey could she write a book about profit first for australians it would be great <gasps> that's awesome that she said that because actually the woman that wrote profit first for trades is australian i just oh, met wow. with her this past september at a conference she's lovely i love her so maybe she'll help me do like an addendum just for go. Australians because I will say because I can see like the stats of who's downloading yeah. the audiobook. There's a lot of people in Australia who have downloaded and purchased the book. I was like, wow, who yeah, knew? Yeah. I've never been. I guess I'm gonna have to come that way. Yeah, Adam, you I'm find, coming like, to you. I, I like I have books out and I have audiobooks. I find my audiobook sales do so much better than my hard than my paperback books. Oh the, yeah, mine are starting the audio starting to surpass the paperback oh, it's now. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing: if you if you don't like to read. I, I know I have a lot of members in my coaching program that don't like to read. Oh, I'm hey, sure. She does have the audiobook, right? Yep, that's it's right. Profit first for restaurants. Okay, profit go find first her. Restaurants, right. yes. Or if you go to her website, profit first number four restaurants.com, reach out to Casey. If nothing else, just have a conversation with her. She'd be more than happy to talk to you, see what your situation is. She can help you. Yep. Of course, you know, it's an investment, but here's an investment I think is always well worth because. Anytime you invest in something like that, it's like marketing. A lot of people say, well, marketing is an expense. No, marketing is an investment <laughs> if you do it right. It's an expense if you do it bad. It should be an investment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, like, and I say that too. It yeah. is an expense if you do it wrong. Mm -hmm. You just throw money on stupid posts and just boosting posts to get likes and not really targeting an audience that's really yep. going to actually convert into guests and butts and seats. Same thing. Mm -hmm. You need to invest in someone who's going to help you grow your brand and help you grow your profits. Yep. The probably the best advice I got when I had my first restaurant, I had a, and I was failing my first restaurant, but I was very lucky. I got a business mentor, a business coach who turned me around. And the best advice he ever gave me is this, never go cheap on accountants and lawyers. <laughs> Actually, I agree with both that. And I've never, never. heard anyone say that, but I totally never, agree with that. Never go cheap on accountants mm -hmm. or lawyers. They will save you so much money if you invest in a good accountant and this a good lawyer. This is true. Yeah. yeah. So Casey, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. You know what? You. Yeah. So awesome. again, if you guys need to reach out to Casey, profit, uh, profit first for number four restaurants.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can reach out to her anytime you like. Mm -hmm. Head over to Amazon, grab her book, Profit First for Restaurants. If you like audio, go to Audible, download her audio book. Profit First for Restaurants is a fantastic. I've listened to, I've already read her book once. I haven't read like Fatima three times, but I read it once. And I listened to her audiobook too. I'm a huge audiobook freak. Yeah, have, me too. Yeah. I have 880 audiobooks on file. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got me be wow. I'm an audiobook fanatic. I listen to audiobooks all the time. Awesome. You know what? And I should I should talk to you. We should talk about having you out. I have an annual summit every year in Phoenix. In oh, I love Phoenix. Yeah, so every October we do a, a three-day restaurant success summit. I should have you come out and do a session at the restaurant success summit. I think all my all my people would love that. I would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Definitely. So hey, well, it's it's on. So look for Casey at the 2024 restaurant success summit. It's going to be October. I'm pretty sure it's October 21st, 22nd, 23rd in awesome. Scottsdale, Arizona. I'd love to be there. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Casey. Again. Anybody has any problems or needs anything, please, you always reach out to me, Donald at the restaurantcoach.com. Also, if you don't know, I have a new coaching program launching in January called Warrior Restaurants. It is coming out with a new book I have called Savage Restaurant Success and also with a new podcast. And it's basically this whole Warrior Restaurants program 
is about coaching about what we call as the core four. It's not about just business. We're going to talk about having the whole have it all lifestyle. I'm going to coach you on having the body, the being, the balance, and the business also. So look forward to that. You can go to apply right now at warriorrestaurants.com. And that's starting in January. So Casey, thanks for being here. I appreciate you so much. It's a great talking to you. And we'll keep this conversation going in the future. I hope so. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Coach Podcast with Donald Burns. Tune in next time as we serve up more ways to maximize your potential. Visit our website at www.therestaurantcoach.com or download episodes at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. 